I'm Zeke Binion. And I'm Matt Rich. I'm a product designer and founder of CodeForDesigners.com. I'm a front-end developer at TableXI, a UX design and software development company located in Chicago. And this is Product Ship FM, a show about what it takes to design and build products that people love to use. Hey there, we've got a really great show for you this episode. We're going to talk about mobile first in 2018. What does that really mean? Both to you as a designer and as a developer, uh, what are your options today out there in the mobile app space? Um, what are your options in the mobile web space? Uh, we're going to dive right into it. Uh, okay, Zeke, let's get into it. Yeah, this is this is sort of a big one, right? It's a mobile first the book by uh, Luke Roblowski. Hopefully I got his last name right. I love that yeah. he just goes by Luke W. Um, <laughs> that book came out in, what, 2011? So we've had yeah. a whole seven years to kind of unpack this from a biz and design and tech standpoint. Right. It really impacts, uh, you know, the whole, uh, the whole, everyone involved in, in these projects. And, and I think we could even take a, a half step back and say that this this notion of mobile first builds on probably what we most of us will consider sort of like the default way of thinking about things now is is responsive design and responsive development. So, you know, mobile first is sort of a bit of an extension on that. And then, you know, in 2011, sort of that was kind of, you know, people were probably thinking about this, you know, before that. But we started to get more definition about what uh, what did it means from from building web apps and websites, really. And then since then. Uh, we've built upon that idea and we have new technology at our fingertips and yeah. uh, new strategies and new ways of, of thinking about coming at it from a design perspective as well. So that that is still a thing, you know, thinking yeah. mobile first, mobile first web. Um, what, is, uh, what does that mean, Zeke? What can we, let's, let's talk about that one specifically. What, let's define that, I guess. Well, I think when we talk about mobile first, uh, especially on the web, what we're really talking about is like just actually thinking out your design, your your workflow, your um, site from a mobile perspective. And it does two things for you. It gives you, one, a set of features that you can use that just simply aren't available in the most part, for the most part, on desktop um, apps or sites. Um, and secondarily, it also gives you a set of constraints that you, you've got to consider if you really want to make a good experience. You know, we've all been, no, I can't say we've all. A lot of us, you know, live in big cities. We travel to work uh, through like subways and buses. And so you'll you'll see sometimes your cell phone connection drops or if you're, you're traveling in between uh, big cities or in between just cell network coverage, you'll see... Uh, your connection drop and mobile sort of has this this uh, inherent ability that you know this person might be on the go or they might be sitting on their couch and you've got to you've really got to create an experience that in both cases works very well yeah that's super interesting that's super interesting because that that's a new-ish constraint right so uh, we haven't in 2011 i don't know that that was necessarily on the front of mind for a lot of us that were building these things you know the sort of the idea like you know i could have a crappy connection um, I could be paying a lot for my data plan, you know, sort <laughs> of, I, at least I remember when sort of, we started talking about mobile first web development, I kind of, I immediately went much more towards the, 
okay, well, let's, we just need to build this thing from a code perspective. So I'm like, you know, I'm thinking I'm building my media queries, for example, in the reverse direction instead of, yeah, you know, so that was more of like, okay, I get that. That makes sense. Let's do that. But it's a much more broad idea. And I think that has become more obvious in the last, you know, five or six years since, since sort of the initial conversation started happening about this as we've gotten, you know, I, I don't know the numbers, but like the dramatic shift basically from the amount of people that are like doing actual work and things on their mobile devices, you know, that number keeps tipping towards the mobile web from desktop web pretty dramatically. So as that number starts to flip more and more, these, the the constraints that you, that you brought up are, are just way more interesting and way more impactful to actually think about, which then, I mean, really we should be thinking about at, at a minimum building our web apps in the in this way i don't know that we're always as good about this as as we should be yeah probably not um i i, I could speak as a designer i'm not even sure that we're great as designers um yet thinking about this uh at least from you know a mobile first perspective and i think part of that is as a freelancer or um, as an agency or even as just a design team um it's very hard to get you know, stakeholders to look at a like a design mock-up uh, for a mobile application or mobile site and get their genuine excitement or get a the right reaction, um, which is kind of insane to me when you consider that you're seeing some businesses, albeit specialized businesses, you're, you're seeing some businesses get like something crazy like 90% web traffic because yeah, they're driving yeah. a lot of stuff through uh, social media. So most people are just using their phones to get to this stuff. For sure. There is a bit of a mental block there uh, still. And, and it even as those numbers tip further and further towards the mobile side, you're right. There is something about, I don't know, I, like the default direction is always to start with the biggest screen possible and work your way <laughs> work your way down. And I kind of don't, like all evidence almost, in, and I shouldn't say all, but like in almost all situations, the evidence points towards you should be thinking about, you should be putting more thought into you know, the small screen, the mobile experience first, because that's probably where a large majority of your users are actually going to come from. Yeah. And even it's hard to even explain that to like, I don't, I haven't been super successful over the years, even selling that to a client team or something like it's not, <laughs> there, there is a little bit of a mental block there still. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure how we get by that without, I mean, we have, I feel like we have all the data we need to prove that kind of thing. There's something, I don't know, is it like a whiz bang design sort of, you know, it's easier to sort of show off. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. Do you have any? Have you have any idea on that? I think most of my success actually has been in selling it, like the idea to people who, to people who are heavily engaged already in measuring the performance of their websites. Um, so like those people are looking at the numbers and they're like, okay, yeah. I get it. You right. Know? They're a little more privy to the to that data. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's something inherently sort of strangely unsexy about going. Yeah, we should design for your smallest screen first. Like people just don't. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's like less. It's like less to look at or something. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's either. interesting. It's interesting. Well, that'll be a problem. We'll be. We'll be. You know, battling for a while. I think. Um, <laughs> exactly. So let's let's layer on a little bit more here. So we have we've started with this notion of of just sort of mobile first, both you know thinking and you know there's some things we can do and how we're actually building and coding the apps in this from this angle. Um, we've gotten more, 
uh, more tools and, and technology at our disposal now than we had five or six years ago. So we're able to, to build these things that we would call now progressive web apps. Yeah. Um, so progressive web apps are fun. Uh, I have not, full disclosure, I haven't built one yet. Although I'm, I'm crossing my fingers, I'm sure this day is going to be pretty near. Uh, but progressive web apps were sort of built to handle this um, this real need we were seeing for applications that you know effectively needed some capability to either deal with intermittent uh, connectivity issues or um, being holistically disconnected from uh, um, from your your data, for example, if you're you're only traveling around. And so these are apps that can generally work offline very efficiently, albeit there are always constraints to these things. But they can work offline or online, um, and they have a specific set of APIs that have been made available to them through JavaScript to kind of make all of this work. Right. Yeah. The browsers have, over the years now, added a lot of these APIs and these, you know, this functionality that allows you to do some of these kind of fancier things. You know. So yeah, we can handle, you know, offline things. We can sort of be a little bit smarter about connectivity issues, which for I don't know, 75% of the planet is <laughs> is like is a problem. Yeah. Like Zeke was mentioning, if you've ever traveled around to other parts of the world, you've you've probably experienced that firsthand. So the progressive web app gives us a lot of different levers that we can pull to make the experience better for a larger number of people rather than just a really great experience for someone that's got, you know, the super awesome fast fast cellular connection yeah. or Wi Fi connection, you know, in the United States or whatever. We're more thinking more more holistically and trying to provide the best possible experience for the most possible peoples while leveraging all these kind of newer technologies yeah. that we have. And that's a really powerful sort of addition to the mobile first way of thinking, I, I think. Yeah. I think a lot of the tech behind progressive web is sort of based on the idea that, you know, our smartphones have gotten a lot faster and a lot more capable, uh, which is great. There's always sort of the caveat of there are some countries in the world where if you're you're sort of traveling to them, you may not have the smartest, fastest, most capable uh, phone. So there's all sorts of thinking that and planning that has to go behind uh, what you choose to do and how you choose to do it. Yeah, a really kind of cool example that we can point to is Twitter made a progressive web app um, not too long ago, and there's some really neat examples just to, to pull out a couple like. I know using their their progressive website, it, it won't load all the images for you mm. um, just by default, for example. You actually have to take an action to load a specific image. So, you know, that's a really perfect example of like um, someone who maybe has an expensive data connection or, or spotty and they don't want to... You know, you're giving you're giving more choice to the user to be like, here's I don't want I'm not going to load you just randomly a 500 megabyte <laughs> image. Like, I mean, that happens now. I'm going to give you the choice. Do you actually need that image? Do you want to see that image? It's it's stuff like that. So it does require a lot more thinking. Yeah. And it certainly layers on complexity from, you know, from like the tech stack perspective and actually probably from the design perspective too. You know, there's some like that little feature is an interesting thing to think about from a design challenge too. Like how yeah. do you design that sort of experience in a way that that makes sense, provides people the option, that kind of thing. So it, it really, it opens up kind of a whole can of worms, but it's a, it's a pretty cool landscape. You know, I'm excited to do more work in this direction. Hopefully that kind of stuff becomes easier and just almost more of a default way that we're building these, these apps and sites, because I think it really is probably the, you know, that's, that's the best way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's just kind of hard now. So it's more expensive and, and 
you know, and, and to be frank, we don't, we don't do it that often just be because of those reasons. Yeah. It definitely has some constraints behind it, but I think it's also probably necessary depending on your audience. Uh, recently I spent three months traveling through France and Europe and found that, uh, the cell phone data connections were never quite consistent. I was staying in, you know, one city for a long period of time, but if you'd walk, you know, into these neighborhoods where uh, the streets are very narrow, the buildings are very tall, and they're all plaster old, you know, <laughs> century old buildings, they uh, they don't carry cell phone connections well. If you're designing apps for people in those environments, you you really are going to have to handle you know, what happens uh, when they're offline or just their connection is slow. Yeah, I mean, it can be a super frustrating experience for your users in those scenarios. I was traveling this fall too, and, you know, we were traveling from the U.S. You were there for three months. You kind of had a different data plan and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But we had, you know, sort of like the traveler data plan, and I forget exactly how it worked, but <laughs> it made me want to be a little bit more conscious of, like, how I was using the data so I wasn't paying, like, crazy amounts of money, you know? Yeah. So it would annoy me when I would load some site and it would just like i'd get all these images and it would load super slow and i just re- i just could feel like the megabytes like ticking away <laughs> at me like no you know and so i mean th- those are a little bit more like that's a more of a first worldy kind of problems but i think it's it's interesting to point out too that like cellular connection is a pretty valuable just like life tool yeah and and you're really doing a lot of people a disservice if you're building you know applications and sites that hit those people if you're not providing them sort of these tools, because I mean, I don't want to say life and death, but like, it's, you know, it's a little bit more of like a more serious situation for some people than like, you know, Oh my, uh, I don't know. My, my travel app was, <laughs> was being <laughs> annoying to me while I was abroad, you know, like, yeah. you know, the, 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 there are, there are more serious problems that are, that are also pretty interesting to think about that I don't think we do really as often as we should. Yeah, it, it's funny because a lot of those problems are probably the the most uh, sort of normal companies you can think of. Like what happens if, let's say, you're a bartender uh, in Europe, not you know, not an American, just someone native uh, in Europe. Uh, you probably don't earn a ton of money. So what happens if like you get in a car accident, right? You don't have this big cell phone data plan that has unlimited 4g connections around the world you probably have something more basic uh can you can you actually get in and like make an insurance claim or get the help you need um and those are probably actually realistic situations yeah for sure for sure let's take a bit of a deviation here zeke so i know we're, we're we're focusing on this sort of notion of mobile first in in 2018 and what does that mean but Mm -hmm. that does spill a little bit into just mobile apps in general so yeah oftentimes when we're when we're considering you know what technology to use to build something maybe a native you know ios android app is the best way to go and that that is a totally valid option so let's let's talk about that for a little bit too yeah somehow that seemingly simple option uh which i'm being facetious (laughs) it's not that simple to choose (laughs) Uh, once you get into it, now that's also being made complex. So a lot of the complexity and choice now is in part because we have things like uh, React Native. Ooh, 
Sorry, you just I, I just hit a note where I remembered how complex this choice has been for a long time now because I forgot there were other web technologies involved with making this. But I'm trying to think of uh, oh, like uh, like a Cordova app or something like that. More of like the yeah, basically like a web view around your around your mobile app. Yeah, that you could throw it throw into the app store kind of thing. Yeah, those technologies have existed. Yeah, to, you know, and people use them to varying degrees of success over the years, but. It is a. I mean, it's it's complicated in almost a weird way in that it's gotten more complicated in that it's become a little bit more of an more of an option in probably some scenarios where it maybe wasn't. I think yeah. a large constraint around choosing a, a native app. I think for a lot of you know people and and companies has been: Do you have the talent and resources to actually do it? Because historically, it has probably just been a more expensive proposition. Yeah. Than doing you know, uh, um, a more of a, I don't know, responsive mobile first web app. It's just, yeah. it's a different, it's a small, there's probably just a smaller number of people that are, you know, competent in, in building these things. Um, but with, like Zeke mentioned, the technology chain around React Native, uh, it sort of opened the door to just bringing more people into that fold and making more people mobile developers, frankly. Um, yeah. And that's a fundamentally different technology than sort of the, uh, the the Cordova and I, there's a couple others that I can't think about that are still valid and still have their use cases, um, but uh, you lo- there's a lot of limitations with those technologies. There really aren't a ton on React Native. I mean, there are some caveats, of course, but yeah, you're like React Native is very different because it, you're you know as an option, what it's really doing is uh, eventually producing native code for you. So it's not like here's a basically like a web view inside of a thing we decided was an application, but it's really just showing HTML and CSS views of, you know, a website. React Native apps generally are really, you know, creating native code or compiling to native code. Right, yeah, part of the build process for when you're working on these things is you do end up with a, a native code package that yeah. you then then you're then pushing to your, you know, respective app stores and such. So, and you can actually write native code in these in a React Native code base, it's it's JavaScript by and large. But if you hit a limitation, you can always kind of bail out and and write something that you may or may not need to in Swift or something, for example. Yeah, which is a super powerful feature. And I'll say it at at TableXR, mobile developers are have been really excited about React Native now for for a year or two. And when we're building mobile apps, that's that's the direction we're taking these days. And and something I guess to kind of further along that line is that uh, React Native sort of gives us some more flexibility with who can work on these projects, like we kind of mentioned. So, you know, someone that has some more web experience, maybe has worked on a React uh, web app, yeah. you know, the, the code base will make sense to them. They can actually have an impact. They might not be able to do absolutely everything, but often that, that little extra flexibility might be enough to all of a sudden make a native app like an affordable option for a company. Yeah, which is pretty awesome. I, I think, at least from a business perspective, you know, your, your JavaScript developers, well, the price is starting to go up thanks to Node. Um, but generally, it was sort of always like iOS developers were, were significantly more expensive than a JavaScript person or a front-end person. And you also generally have a lot more uh, front-end capacity because you've got a lot more people at your company that can do it. So, yeah, that's, it's really cool to be able to see people being able to step into the sort of native mobile space that either weren't before because they didn't learn iOS um, or weren't before from a business perspective because they just didn't have the right set of developers. Yeah. And there is there is sort of this notion of being able to share some code between 
Like let, let's give you an example is that you built your web app using React and then you want to add on a mobile app that maybe supplements or does something slightly different. There is this notion of being able to share some code and that's kind of true, but it, it is, you know, there's not specific sharing. Just be cautious of that if that's what you're, if that's a giant selling point for you, there's not a boatload of sharing uh, <laughs> possible, but just, yeah. you know, they, they are generally like, you know, the technology, the language written, written uh, underneath is, is really very similar. So, I mean, you might not be able to like literally copy paste or, you know, use the, the exact same code, but if you've written one thing in, in React Native or web and you're trying to basically do the same thing in the other, like it's, it's pretty darn close. So you are going to be able to save some, some time in that and be a little bit more efficient, which is you know, also kind of cool. Okay, so we've we've kind of circled through the sort of the options and kind of put a little bit of a definition about what we consider mobile first in 2018 to be. We've now gotten to the point where we need to figure out what we're going to build. Yeah. How do we make that that choice? Yeah. This is uh where a lot of good designers and researchers and service designers can make a lot of money uh, helping people understand this. From a design perspective, we're always going to start at the users. I think that's going to make um, the most long-term impact to your business. Are, are we getting to the user in the places that they want to be? But it's not the exclusive problem. You know, we've also got business questions that we need to answer. Some of those are, first and foremost, what is actually the nature of this thing we're building? Is it mostly static content that's not changing over time? Is it mostly dynamic stuff like an app? Um, is it highly specialized? For example, there's there's probably a big difference in how you approach developing a um, like a to do app versus a generative music app. They're just fundamentally different technical problems and also different audience needs. For example, if I'm a person who you know needs to use something like a a quick note sheet, is creating notes going to feel like uh, inherently a great experience if I'm just doing it in the web? Um, versus like an app on my phone. As a user, what what do I want? And also as a business, is this the primary piece of my business? Or is entering text a a secondary thing we need to touch, like um, signing up for insurance or something like that, where users just, they're not really crafting um, a message per se. They're really just, you know, entering some stuff into your system. Like those are fundamentally different things, and they start to get you to think about the value people place on specific interactions. Uh, that might give you a leaning towards web versus app, but that's not going to answer the question quite yet of, uh, do I want a re- React Native app or iOS app? Do I need a, a responsive web app, uh, a progressive web app? Oh, that's a weird way of getting at it. Well, I think, I mean, isn't the larger point here sort of is when you're going through your design process, even very, very early stages, having some idea of the possibilities that you have in front of you will help you to sort of mull over things as you're hitting, you know, your various different design constraints, your, like the priorities, like you're talking about, like how, yeah, you know, all of those sort of things help you down one of these particular paths. If the thing that is most important to your business really needs to be more of like, uh, like a native experience, like very super fluid, I don't know, you're connecting to you know, GPS and sort of like these really native-y like physical device things that are kind of only, I mean, there are certain things that are, that are kind of only possible for your like a native app. Yeah. If you've yeah. discovered that that's like a core tenant of the business and then that pushes you down 
that path a little bit. Yeah. And there are a whole like laundry list of various, you know, probably features that you're going to come up with that uh, will put you sort of down one path or the other. I think the point we're trying to make is that it's useful to have some knowledge, at least at a higher level of what these different things are. So that way when you're working through your process, you can kind of, I don't know, help guide the experience a little bit more and, yeah, yeah, you know, involve the right people involve, you know, involve the right, uh, you know, the developers and in, into the equation as well that, that we can talk through some of these options and, and that type of thing. So, I mean, I think thinking about, you know, how, how does this thing work on a mobile device from like day one in whatever capacity that means yeah, is a good direction to take. I don't, I, I still think we're probably largely not that great at doing that as, as like an entire industry. Um, no. I think what makes it difficult is that every business, every team um, has different needs. The things you're sort of you're looking at when you're trying to make these decisions are, all right, I have a, a set of user needs, I have a set of mobile functionality, I have a, a team uh, who has specific skill sets, I mean, I have a business that has specific budgetary constraints or specific requirements, yeah. like. It's, it's a marriage of all of those. Um, so it makes it very difficult to t- give you a definite answer of, okay, everybody should do X. Oh, yeah. No, that's we're never going to get to that point. <laughs> it's a really complicated equation in almost all scenarios because, yeah, like you said, there's budgetary constraints. There's, uh, like, technical knowledge constraints. You know, if you don't have anybody that can build an iOS app, then, you know, you're not going to do that yeah like that's <laughs> i mean you're, that doesn't quite make sense know, right so it is it is a complicated path to get you know to get to the right thing and and honestly maybe like in our notes here i have right choice in quotes because i don't i don't know you know that's such a that's kind of a loaded term i mean yeah the right the it's the right choice for you at that time given all of the other constraints and and things surrounding the decision yeah, I think the the best we can do is probably say in general a website whether it's an application or not is going to have generally the biggest reach just because you can very easily link to it from social media you don't need you really don't need a specialized development team to to produce that but also audiences can search for it in Google we're all used to to that. Yeah. And broadly speaking mobile apps an app that I need to download means I'm 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 a really big fan of your product and I'm committed, um, whether that's through paying or um, some other means. And so there's some levers you can think about there, but otherwise this is still pretty much the wild, wild west. It really is. I mean, I think there's there's some pretty logical, like like you said, it, it, it probably in most situations makes a lot of sense to start thinking about you know a mobile website and what does that look like. As you start layering on, the kind of more cool features of like the progressive web app that we're talking about, you know, the complexity goes up, the skill sets required to do this goes, goes up the time it takes to build these things goes up the, you know, it just, it becomes a more of a substantial project. The more of these things that you lay around, unfortunately, actually, because like we mentioned, that stuff is really great and we should really try to be building things in that way. But a lot of times it just doesn't, frankly, just doesn't work out. The question I have for you, Zeke yeah. is, are there some strategies that you can take early on in your design process to help? Um, I'm actually thinking more of not not even like how what what do I build, but how can I get my team thinking in more of this mobile first 
way. Like we were talking before, there's sort of this weird, like, I don't know, need to see a desktop app before I see a mobile app kind of yeah. thing. Um, do you have any thoughts or ideas on, on how I can get my team and my, my stakeholders and such thinking a little bit more, you know, in sort of the flip direction? Yeah. Well, I think simply asking the question, uh, how are we supporting our audience on mobile is a good starting point. But a lot of it to me is about connecting the dots for stakeholders between, you know, what their their end goal is and what how their customers get to it. I think a simple exercise like journey mapping uh, in the discovery process might be a great way to help people connect the dots because then you can walk your stakeholders through not just what are our needs for this specific website. You can get them to think a little broader and go, all right, our customers getting to us through how? Well, we, we've done a lot of effort on social media. Well, how many of those people using social media are really using their desktop? Right. And you start to see it as a way to go, all right, I'm moving these people from social media to my website. They're on their phone and they're seeing what? Yeah, okay. And it, it begins to get people to think about um, think about things a little broader. And I, I think exercises like that can help. But it also depends on like you know how your team's orientated. If they're orientated towards data, uh, maybe actually just pulling out um, not only your own website data, uh, which will show mobile traffic, but in, in my experience, uh, if you're not really optimized for mobile to begin with, your mobile traffic's always going to be less than what it would really would be. Right. So maybe pull out a few years of data if you have a few years. Just see what's been happening growth-wise there. And then also keep your eye out for data about other people who have recently made the switch to mobile. Um, I think in 2015, maybe 2016, um, MTV just did a big redesign where they really optimized for mobile. And they saw crazy growth statistics. It was something like, you know, 200%. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's not a small number of like of case studies and and articles written about like and we're like there's like retail sites that you know when you're talking at a large scale we're talking about like multi-million dollar increases in op, you know in spending a yeah. little bit of extra time optimizing their mobile site you know i mean it's the data certainly exists so i suppose i, I guess from what you're saying it sounds like the key is to try to like try to pop everybody out up a layer like if someone comes in with this notion of like well we're building a website well maybe probably but let's take a step back yeah. and think more about like you've, you've thrown out the term service design kind of thing, right? Thing, right? Like that's you're, 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 you're taking it back or up a level and really thinking a little bit more holistically as to how, how your users actually are using your app or getting to your site and, and sort of that kind of thing. Yeah. And, yeah. What's their total experience really? And, you know, from, you know, service design perspective, the, the whole goal is to begin to think about your, your organization is a set of services that just happen to have uh, touch points uh, that customers interact with. And yeah. your website's simply just a touch point in this this bigger offering that you're providing. Yeah, that's a super powerful way to think about it. And I think that can, I think having a project start out with that way of thinking uh, really puts like, it puts the whole process on the right path. Yeah. Um, and like we've talked about in previous episodes about the design process and, and stuff like that. And this all sort of folds in, in, into that in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, I think getting people to think more mobile first is going to give you the opportunity to build, 
uh, really a lot just better products that are going to be honestly a lot more effective too i mean that's that's the that's the direction we're going these days um, <laughs> pretty much thanks for listening to another episode of product ship a show about what it takes to build and design products that people love to use i'm zeke you can find me on twitter at ebinion uh, e-b-i-n-i-o-n and i'm matt you can find me on twitter at m-g-r-e-i-c-h listen to all of our episodes go to productship.fm and then please leave us a review if you'd like on your favorite podcast app see you later